I'd like to introduce you to a member of my first call congregation named Lester. Lester was one of the patriarchs of the congregation, a World War II vet and a farmer. He was a proud, old-school, conservative Democrat, extremely careful with money. In fact, on one occasion, early on in my ministry there, when I proposed creating a new paid position for someone to oversee our education ministry, he grumbled that I was just like those Democrats in Washington, always spending money. However, just because, just because he was careful with money didn't mean that he was stingy. He and his wife opened their home to us frequently for choir parties and other events. He let me borrow his beat-up 1980s Ford pickup on a number of occasions, and while I did not know what he gave to the congregation, I knew that he was generous. There was another time when I was looking through some old documents in the church's vestry. There are annual reports in there from the 1940s and the 1950s. And in those reports, some of you may have experienced this, they printed not only the budget, but everyone's pledge by household and what everyone had given towards that pledge for everybody to see. I brought out the 1949 booklet to, to him one day when he was at the church for another event. And he thumbed through it, and I saw the color drain from his face. He looked up at me with a pained expression and said, we could have done better than that. 65 years later, he still felt a sense of shame about what he hadn't been able to give in 1949. So often, our financial giving or what we think we ought to give is tinged with shame. We might tell ourselves that we should give more, but we're already stretched thin as it is. Maybe we're deep in debt. Maybe we're paying for health care, elder care, child care, or other expenses. Or maybe we just bought that nice ice mansion and we're having trouble giving from what's left over. The shame we might carry about giving can carry over into defensiveness or resentment sometimes. You hear that sort of expressed in the sort of phrase we heard in Jeanette's talk. All they talk about is money, money, money. However, money doesn't have to be a source of shame or defensiveness or resentment for us. Our use of money in all aspects of our lives, not just our giving, can be one part in how we live shalom lives, rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Both texts today have to do with gratitude. The Genesis anecdote is a little strange. Abram, better known as Abraham, has just returned from a successful rescue mission of his nephew Lot. He meets a mysterious King Melchizedek of Salem. Salem, of course, is from the root word for shalom, which may mean Jerusalem. And his own name could mean something like, my righteous king of peace. Strange priest and kings brings out bread and wine and blesses Abram and blesses God who gave success to the mission. And in response, Abram gives him a tithe of everything. Now you've heard Jeanette talk about the tithe already, so I won't dwell on it over much, but the concept of the tithe is really ancient. 
It go, this is the first place it shows up in the Bible, but it certainly goes back before Abraham's time. It was a way of showing gratitude and honor to the divine for blessings received, for a good harvest, for instance, or for fertility, or for victory in battle. And as Pastor Rawl at our study put it, honor the divine and I'll keep nine. And then he also added, pretty good deal, isn't it? Abram shows gratitude to God for all God's blessings, even before God blesses him with a child. We see similar gratitude today in the woman who anoints Jesus' feet and in the other women who accompany him. The woman who crashes dinner doesn't ask for anything. She takes a huge risk even coming into Jesus' presence, let alone touching him. She could have been turned out, humiliated. Indeed, that is what the good, upstanding religious leader wants to do. He's shocked that Jesus doesn't seem to know who she is, judging both her and Jesus in one fell swoop. Yet, Jesus does know who she is, and he knows her heart. He also knows the Pharisee's heart. He hasn't been a particularly hospitable host. How serendipitous then that this woman comes in and supplies everything that the host of the meal lacks. That she becomes a picture of a true host of Jesus, open and generous. In place of shame, she is honored. Same is true for the other women who have experienced healing from Jesus. Luke tells us that they provided for them out of their resources. Ironically, some of the means may come from Herod, who is an adversary of Jesus and his movement throughout Luke's gospel. They don't give because they hope Jesus will do more for them. They don't give because they feel obligated to do it. They give because they have experienced God's healing for themselves. And they want others to experience it. They give out of gratitude and belief in Jesus' mission to save, heal, and enlighten the world. And where there is gratitude, all shame, fear, and resentment melt away. Gratitude and grace are the bases of the divine economy. The divine economy doesn't operate like any human economy because everything in it is pure gift. There isn't an exchange, I give this so that you may give that. This gift is, all the gifts God gives us are given freely, beginning with our own lives and our daily bread. And of course our daily bread includes not just food, but everything we need for the day down to the beating of our hearts. These things are given without any, with us earning it, without us being worthy of it, or with an expectation even for a response on our part. Jesus says in Matthew's gospel that God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. God doesn't give so that we may give. God simply gives because God is giving. But that giving doesn't end with daily bread. God makes us God's children. God gives us the Holy Spirit, which makes us more fully human, more fully people of God. And in the giving of that spirit, we are empowered to give as well. 
to be generous as God is generous. And in that kind of generosity, we don't give so that God or others may give. We are generous simply because we want to give. Because we know what God has done for us. Because we've experienced it. And we want others to know too. Whether you, whether you give a tithe or not, that is not so important as God using even the modest means that we bring for great purposes. Remember the two coins of the widow at the end of Luke's gospel. There's no need for shame in our giving. There is no need. As with the woman who anointed his feet, Jesus Christ has taken all our shame away. Thanks be to God. Amen.